Greetings to everyone out there in podcast land, and thank you for joining us for On the Safe Side, a monthly podcast hosted by the editors of Safety and Health Magazine, the official magazine of the National Safety Council. My name is Barry Botino, and I'm an associate editor with Safety and Health. With me, as always, are fellow associate editors, Alan Ferguson and Kevin Drewley. And like me, the guys are celebrating the arrival of spring this month. This is April, and it's episode 14 of the podcast. And little did we know 14 months ago when we started this venture that the three of us will have recorded 13 of these episodes from our respective homes instead of our studio at the National Safety Council offices in suburban Chicago. And wherever you've been listening to us for any of the 14 episodes, we thank you for spending some of your valuable time with us. We hope that everyone out there is safe and healthy during this time, and we want to send a special shout out to the safety professionals who are doing their very best every single day to keep workers healthy and safe during the pandemic. If you'd like to keep up with the latest news on COVID-19 and other daily updates from around the safety world, such as all the goings-on in Washington, D.C., please check out our website at safetyandhealthmagazine.com. We also have a brand new website for our sister publication, Family Safety and Health, and you can find that publication at safetyandhealthmagazine.com slash family to learn all about safety away from work. During this month's episode, we'll put our snorkels and masks on and take a deep dive with Kevin into one of our stories from the April issue of Safety and Health. Kevin will discuss our exclusive Q&A interview with OSHA's Patrick Kappist about the annual top 10 most cited standards list. In our five questions with segment, we will discuss fall prevention with Scott Ernest from NIOSH. And of course, stay tuned for our pop quiz when we'll talk about some of our favorite number 10s. So let's cue the music and get this episode rolling. Each month here at On the Safe Side, we take a closer look at a story from the pages of Safety and Health magazine, which we call our deep dive segment. In the latest issue of Safety and Health, Kevin concludes our extensive coverage of OSHA's annual top 10 list of violations, which includes an exclusive Q&A with the Deputy Director of OSHA's Director of Enforcement Programs, Patrick Kappist. So Kevin, why don't you take us a little deeper? Well, I'd be happy to take us on this deep dive, but not before thanking you, Alan Ferguson, and you, Barry Botino, and truly the entire Safety and Health team for such great work and collaboration during the process. As Melissa Rominski, the editor of Safety and Health, writes in her April Editor's Note column, presenting the top 10 is very much a team effort. There were additional steps this time around with separate webinars, one revealing the data, the other answering reader questions to accompany the the usual spread in the magazine. NSC Vice President of Government Affairs and uh, previous podcast guest, Jane Terry, also has been most helpful, along with Kimberly Darby and Frank Meilinger of the OSHA Communications Office. And of course, this collaboration between Safety and Health and, and OSHA would not be what it is without the insights and expertise of Patrick Kappist. would also like to thank anyone who ever led a Zoom tutorial that I watched or forwarded FAQs related to the platform. Hindsight, like the fiscal year that this data covers, is 2020, but really in retrospect, setting the specs of the webinar recording and making sure the red light was on for the entirety of Patrick's presentation was more encompassing than I realized. But here's to seeing you safety professionals and readers in person when this data is presented the next time around, hopefully. If you haven't viewed these webinars, please visit the Safety and Health website, www.safetyandhealthmagazine.com to do so. They aren't necessarily a prerequisite for this segment, but 
just because the data was unveiled in late February and because the standards that make up the top 10 remain unchanged from fiscal year 2019, we'd like to focus just a little more on some of what Patrick said in in the Q&As. For listeners, though, who might have been vaccinated before retreating to a desert island for the winter, fall protection general requirements, standard 1926.501 is OSHA's most frequently cited standard for the 10th consecutive fiscal year. Let's start with uh, fall protection general requirements. As you just mentioned, it's been the atop the top 10 list for you know around a decade. What can you share about how the agency interprets that lack of change and how employers can start to fix recurring mistakes? Patrick did acknowledge that there's been little variation in, in the top 10 over the years, and in large part, he said that's because standards such as fall protection and controlled hazardous energy, hazard communication, machine guarding and and powered industrial trucks, to name a few. Those all involve controlling hazards across numerous industrial sectors that comprise millions of workplaces nationwide. He added that this aspect of the list isn't surprising to the agency, even though, and this is a direct quote from Patrick, he said, quote, compliance isn't difficult and often represents the core of many safety and health management systems, unquote. Similar spirit to his remarks regarding the top 10 list at large, Patrick said that fall hazards really remain pretty universal across industries. So in some ways, it's a matter of volume in addition to those recurring mistakes. At any rate, though, he, he just reiterates that the top 10 list should be used by employers as a tool to improve safety at, at work sites. He also reiterated that the agency classifies fall hazards into three categories, and those are falls on the same level, falls to lower levels, and slips and trips. As always, hazard assessments are crucial, and some of the workplace hazards that employers should be especially mindful of that he highlighted. Uh, those include slippery, cluttered, or unstable walking and working surfaces, unprotected edges, uh, floor holes and wall openings, unsafely positioned ladders, damaged guardrails, and misused fall protection equipment. For comparison's sake, it's in fiscal year 2011 when Fall protection general requirements supplanted scaffolding as OSHA's most frequently cited standard. There were 7,139 total violations. In FY 2019, there were 7,014 total violations. With FY 2020, OSHA notes that the COVID-19 pandemic occurred during this time. So if you're going to look and and analyze what you see, FY 2019 versus FY 2020. Well, Kevin, as always, Patrick covers a lot of ground in our Q&As with safety and health. Can you tell our listeners about some takeaways from your conversation with Patrick? One topic that he addressed already has come to fruition, and that's the, the National Emphasis Program on COVID-19. And that came, of course, in response to the executive order from President Biden and took effect March 12th. And it's set to remain in effect for up to one year. So that NEP combines inspection targeting, employer outreach, and compliance assistance. He addressed the campaign promise of of the Biden administration to add OSHA inspectors. He said he envisions really that further emphasis on compliance officer training in the coming years. And he just reminds safety professionals that a new compliance officer doesn't immediately replace a seasoned inspector. It's going to take that training to really harness and develop the quality and breadth of the inspection skills of of a new inspector. Patrick also said that the agency is aiming to return to a more ideal balance of programmed inspections as well as unprogrammed inspections, which is like complaints and fatality investigations and and referrals. Staying with that balance theme, uh, Patrick did acknowledge that while that new administration visibly wants to transition away from the more anti-regulatory push of its predecessor, 
enforcement is going to be a key component of the agency's balanced approach. And again, he stressed balance. Another quote from Patrick, he just said, the goal is not to issue citations. The goal is to get employers to change the safety culture and provide greater protection for our workers. A final note concerns the surge in uh, remote work over the past year plus as we continue to navigate the COVID-19 pandemic. There were numerous interesting nuggets in Patrick's answer. One that stood out, and I'm saying this as I maintain proper posture in my, my office chair, is that OSHA will not conduct ergonomic inspections on an employee's home office, nor does the agency expect employers to inspect the home offices of their employees. However, the enforcement of ergonomic hazards still is in effect for traditional work environments. OSHA offers various online tools to assist in applying and understanding ergonomics, and those, again, are available online at OSHA.gov. Well, thank you, Kevin Drewley, for all of your work on this year's OSHA Top 10. You should really be proud, and I sincerely hope this information will help improve workplace health and safety even just a little bit. If you want to read more about OSHA's annual Top 10 and other features and news from around the safety world, please check out the April issue of Safety and Health Magazine or visit us online at safetyandhealthmagazine.com. If you're listening to this podcast, we're pretty sure you like staying safe on the job and keeping others safe as well. We're also pretty sure that you want to stay safe and healthy when you're away from work, and we have a great way to help you out. It's Family Safety and Health Magazine, from the makers of the award-winning Safety and Health Magazine. Family Safety and Health has tips and advice on topics from the home to the roadway, and from your local parks and recreation areas to your medicine cabinet. Visit nsc.org slash wellness or call 800-621-7619 to learn how you can get a subscription to yourself, your coworkers, your friends, and your family. Remember, that's Family Safety and Health, brought to you by the team that brings you Safety and Health Magazine each and every month. In a few weeks, construction sites across the country will dedicate a full week to recognizing the leading cause of deaths for workers in the industry, which is falls. From May 3rd through May 7th, the 8th Annual National Safety Standout to Prevent Falls in Construction will take place to raise fall hazard awareness and to focus on how to stop preventable injuries and fatalities. With us today for our five questions with segment to discuss fall prevention is Scott Ernest, who serves as director of the NIOSH Office of Construction Safety and Health. And Scott, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. It's great to be with you. As we mentioned, the National Safety Standdown to Prevent Falls in Construction is coming up uh, May 3rd through May 7th. Can you tell us a little bit about the goals of this event every year? Absolutely. I'd be glad to. The National Safety Standdown to Prevent Falls in Construction happens once a year, and it's designed to provide a voluntary opportunity for construction employers to talk about hazards, protective methods, and the company's safety policies, goals, and expectations with their workers. The primary goal of the campaign is to raise the awareness and equipment and equipment contractors and workers with information to help them prevent falls. The focus of the campaign addresses falls from roofs, ladders, and scaffolds, which represent three major sources of falls in construction. It's typically about 70% of all fatal falls in any given year. If employers want to ramp up their education for workers, where can they find resources and what type of resources are available? Sure. Educational materials and resources like videos and infographics that highlight ways workers can prevent falls from heights on the job are available in both English and Spanish. These materials can be used to plan a safety day, provide a presentation hour, 
or safely train workers through interactive toolbox talks and other activities. Stand down resources are available from CPWR and the One Stop Stand Down Shop on OSHA's National Safety Stand Down webpage and on NIOSH's Prevent Falls and Construction webpage. Falls have been such a big constant in the OSHA top 10 list as one of the biggest hazards in construction. What are your biggest concerns for workers and employers when it comes to preventing falls? Well, this is a construction industry issue that we've studied with CPWR, the National Center for Construction Research and Training, based on feedback from industry stakeholders. When stakeholders were asked about the primary causes of falls, insufficient or ineffective planning was frequently mentioned. This included issues such as not having a person on site who's responsible for safety, not identifying fall hazards, or identifying fall hazards and not making any changes. Sometimes it can relate to workers becoming complacent and just following a routine. In other cases, fall protection was provided but not used. This supports anecdotal information suggesting that employers and supervising workers often do not enforce proper use of the fall protection equipment, even when it's available. Similarly, the third most selected issue leading to falls was improper use of fall protection. For example, using the wrong length of lanyard or donning a PFAS but not tying off. Many also felt that a lack of relevant training is a large contributor to falls. A lack of training and appropriate pre-planning may lead to improper use of fall protection. Related to the underlying causes of falls, some people felt that productivity and trying to stay on schedule, as well as the indifference of both workers and contractors and supervisors, are a big concern. Have NIOSH, OSHA, and and other organizations noticed any knowledge gaps among workers and employers that are a high priority to educate workers about? Absolutely. Proper training on fall protection is an important topic. CPWR asked construction stakeholders how often new workers are properly trained before being exposed to fall hazards. About 14% of the respondents said always, 38% said frequently, 40% said only occasionally, and 6% said never. When asked whether new workers exposed to fall hazards are supervised by the proper person competent in safety issues, only 12% said always, while 30% said frequently, 48% said occasionally, and 8% said never. When considering a specific fall incident, people were asked what level of training the individual who fell had at the time. Approximately 13% felt that the individual had no training at all. And Scott, as we discussed earlier, COVID-19 has changed work for a lot of folks, for us, for anyone in any industry. Uh, Has COVID-19 had any impact on fall prevention since many construction workers who were considered essential workers during the pandemic are now taking a lot of virtual trainings? I think it's really too early to say. Anecdotal evidence suggests that injuries and fatalities from many different sources have decreased in the construction sector during the pandemic. But there was also a corresponding drop in the size of the workforce for various periods across the country. It's not clear what the impact changes in training have had, but there was definitely an increase in use of virtual training. The pandemic has increased the use of virtual training and also emphasis on safety. In general, in-person training or hands-on training is thought to be more effective than something that's remote or virtual. Well, Scott, we really thank you for sharing your knowledge and expertise with our listeners about this uh, very valuable topic. As Scott mentioned, you can find those resources online and please share them. This is about saving lives and preventing injuries. And you can all do that by taking part in the National Safety Stand Down to Prevent Falls in Construction coming up from May 3rd through May 7th. And Scott, thank you so much for being with us today. 
Well, as most of you have heard today, the number 10 was a big part of our discussion on this month's episode. So for our monthly pop quiz, we want to play off of that number 10 and put a little pop quiz spin on it by discussing some of our favorite athletes of all time who wore number 10. And I'll get it started. I would say for current day, as a White Sox fan, uh, Yohan Mancata, the third baseman for the White Sox, is my current favorite number 10. But there's also some great number 10s, a lot of them, in fact. Pele in soccer is a longtime favorite, and I, I love the old Sixers teams of the 80s. And number 10 for the Sixers was Maurice Cheeks, who's one of my all-time favorite guys. Kevin, how about you? But I'm, I'm going to go back to when I was a youngster, sort of first really getting into baseball. There was a, a Cardinal named Rex Hudler. If you're from St. Louis or not, you probably know about St. Louis baseball fans that they sort of latch on to the classic hustle guy. And he was very much that, just a middle infielder and outfielder always running and did a quick glance at baseball reference. I'm not sure... He played many full seasons, and he usually was only hovering around probably 265 or below career average, but he just was that spunky ball player that people really like to know. No one's worn 10 since he played for the Cardinals in the early 90s because Tony La Russa wore it as manager for so many years. So wasn't the answer I was expecting, but again, I was more sort of discerning, I guess, but I would say the hitman Rex Hudler. How about yourself, Alan? I ended up going with Chase Daniel, the greatest quarterback in University of Missouri history. And also, I, I think one of the smartest NFL players because he probably made the most money per pass attempt, per completion, per start, per touchdown pass of, of anyone in uh, NFL history as well. So, yeah, that's my pick, Chase Daniel. Now we want to hear from our listeners. So go ahead and share your most memorable number 10s in the sports world. And you can do that by emailing us at safehealth at nsc.org. Or you can check in online at the hashtag SafesidePopQuiz on our social media channels. We want to say thanks to everyone out there for spending a little time with us today. And remember, if you want to keep your employees, your colleagues, and your family members safe, we have just the publication for you, Family Safety and Health. Each issue is packed with helpful tips that will keep families safe at home and in the community, along with informational articles about your health. To get a free copy or learn more, visit our brand new website, safetyandhealthmagazine.com family, or subscribe by calling 800-621-7619. In the meantime, feel free to tell a fellow safety pro about this podcast. If you'd like to share some feedback, email us at safehealth at nsc.org. To find stories such as the exclusive Q&A with OSHA's Patrick Kappist, as well as other top 10 coverage, and all the latest news about safety and health, visit us online at safetyandhealthmagazine.com. Also, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. We'd like to thank our colleague and sound guru, Chelsea Yang, for all of her hard work on this podcast. Original music was provided by Steve Maslin. We'll be back next month with another episode to have more safety-related discussions, talk to trusted voices from around the profession, and hopefully make you smile a little. Until then, please stay on the safe side.